G'day everybody and welcome to this very special episode of Another Bloody Movie Podcast. I am Sean Coates, thank you very much for joining me and it is way too late to be doing a podcast. It is 12.20 on a Saturday morning, I mean or Friday night or Saturday morning, whichever you would prefer and I'm here with two special guests because we just saw a film and we have, a, but we all have a lot to say about it and we're going to talk about it right now. So joining me is Eric Tischer and Colin Garlic-Trice. Yep. Howdy. Howdy. So what film did we see tonight, guys? We well saw an early screening of what film? We saw Suspiria, the remake. Yep. Early, we had an early screening. Uh, we treated to some nice... Uh, cocktails. Some cocktails <laughs> and cupcakes. And cupcakes with shards of glass in them. Yeah, yeah. it was very bizarre. <laughs> a g- good way to, like, promote, like, like, not necessarily promote the film, but, like, set the tone or, like, give atmosphere to, like... Uh, it was oh, a good little I theme. Dessert, I would I say that it's about as cheesy as the is the well climax. The, the movie is cheesy, and we're not going to get to the cheesy climax. Cheesy parts. <laughs> well, that we should start there. The original film. Uh, only Eric and I have seen the original film. Eric has seen it quite a few times. I only saw it for the first time recently, and Cohen has not seen it at all. No, so I you're getting a varied, uh, like varied mm. looks at this film, <laughs> in conjunction with its predecessor. And Eric, first of all, what do you think of the of the original film? I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it's fine. I don't think it's fantastic. Some people think that think it's fantastic, but I believe it's just because they, I don't know, too sucked into the strange visuals. Mm. Um, if anything, the set design's brilliant. Just oh, absolutely! It's, it's so bizarre to have every room have a strange, different aesthetic to it. Um, other than that, it's a it's a it's an interesting fusion of Giallo and and a and a sort of yeah, supernatural like thriller, supernatural yeah. uh, film. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a pretty simple, straightforward. Girl goes to a like a dance school. Turns out that there's uh, more than what meets the eye at the school. Has to uncover a mystery, uh, while a bunch of strange shit happens on the side. Probably the most memorable part of Suspiria is some of the is the visual aspect. Yeah, the visual aspect. Not too strong on. Um, in terms of memorable characters, yeah. I mean, the protagonist most time is just an amnesiac, so not a lot of development mm. in that sort of sense. And I mean, there's some, some really bizarre there's moments. There's some the good film. camp in there, though. Oh, like, there's some, some great camp in the original film. Like, that blind guy got killed by his own dog. Oh, that's like, great. That was weird. <laughs> like, you, like they, they made it seem like he was going to get killed by a gargoyle, but then mm. his dog just tore yep. his neck out. I was like, what? Now, Cohen, as yeah. someone that did not see the original film, what were you expecting going into this one? Oh, well, I thought it'd be very um, gory. Like hyped up, it seemed pretty hyped up. Be you know, hyper gory film, and so really, no. mm, I think the marketing kind of hit that home though too. I mean, I didn't see too many trails, but like that poster where it's like all that blood spatter on there, and it's the I didn't think like the cutout. I can't see this director making some crazy ass gory movie. Yeah, I guess. Okay, actually, now on, with the um uh with hindsight as well, thinking about uh because people who don't know, this was directed. This remake was directed by Luca Guadagnino, whose last film was the Excellent, and Eric's going to fight me on that and calling it ex- Excellent. Call me by your name. No, I, I didn't he's think he's the only person in the world that does not like that movie. So. I'm not the only person. I'm part of a very small majority of people who don't think it's very good at all. As much as I don't like calling by your name, I think this might... I don't, I don't know if I would call it better, to be honest. I can't. I enjoy it more than calling me by your name, but it's definitely more inconsistent. Mm. I don't know. At least, like, Call Me By Your Name had good consistency. Uh, the Suspiria remake is good enough in some parts and very sh- weirdly bad in other parts, but mm. not, like, straight out terrible. They, they have a sort of a... 
a humorous quality to it. Um, just just because some things are so strange, we'll, we'll probably delve into that later. Yep. Well, I just want to first touch on something that you said about the original, how it has this very lavish and colourful visual style yeah. and how that is just not present in this film at all. Oh, and Luca it's Guadagnino, more subtle. Yeah. Like, there, there are some instances where you can see a light green tinge and I kind of like that, that it wasn't so... Like, it wasn't going to just blatantly rip that from the original and have just, you know, blatant... Well, not blatant, but like just have really obvious and clear... Uh, just color, um, colored lights, and not just like very intense colored lights, but the lights also changing as well in the background. That usually happened in in the original film, like the the background mm. light would go from green to red, etc. Change with the with the with the um, the tension that that was being built throughout the film. Because yep. according to IMDb, uh, it says that Guadagnino decided not to go with the you know deep red, very vibrant color palette of the original, and decided to just do this very more stripped back yeah. kind of thing it's to more distinguish it. Naturalistic, yeah, I think, more realistic. Yeah, well, he's more. I'm pretty sure he likes to just use, at least with um, what I saw, because I only the only experience I have from his uh, his work is Call Me by Your Name. That film didn't seem to have too much in the way of extra lights to better light up scenes he seemed yeah. to, he seemed to be more of a guy that seemed to just work with natural lighting and mm. i, I can see you can see a fair bit of that in suspiria more than what you'd expect yeah you'd expect v- a lot of v- artificial lighting. very different settings like vibrant vibrant uh summer of 80 yeah, like like 1983 70s. in italy and then you've got here it's like you know, dreary winter of... I think it's set in 77 because it's the same year that the original Suspiria came out, which you, which I think you only had some context to because I guess because this movie was made, you know, with 40 years afterwards, um, it was actually addressing like some stuff that was actually happening in Germany during that time. So which film, the original? No, this one. one. Oh yeah, this one. Yeah. Oh, this, this, this one tried to connect it more with its with its historical sort of context uh, of, of being set in the, the 80s of Germany 70s. by... 70s, was it? 77. It was set the same the yeah, year that the first one the came out. Oh, okay. I thought it might have been early um, The wall's 80s. still up, so... Oh, well, the yeah, wall was still up in the 80s. Um, oh, I, I, I can't remember the date of uh, of, of the Bader Meinhof, um, the reign of the terrorist group, but yeah, it brought that, it brought that up. And sort of, um, yeah, that was a background element. Yeah, and had throughout the film. Do, do you do you guys think? Because I don't actually know much about this event at all. Is, is this just to establish the, a place in time for the film, or do you think that this kind no, of foreshadows? No. They or keep, like they kept br- bringing it up. I know, like it, it's weird because they even opened the film with the pro with a protest happening in the background. Mm. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be important. It, like if it was to establish the the context the historical context of the, f- of the film they would only need to mention it like once or twice they mm. keep they keep mentioning it in the background yeah. so I, I'm, I'm not sure if like Guadagnino was trying to that's what I was wondering what they terrorism or if it was just um, be, because there was a slight there's a psychologist a doctor in the film that uh, the mentions film focuses on way too much but we'll get to that in yeah, a moment that mentions uh, well has a patient uh, at the start of the film and she's Telling him about supposed witch coven, and he believes that she's, you know, f- d- developed some kind of uh, delusions, and she and he thinks he suspects that they are formed from 
the uh, the Better Meinhof group, I forgot the the acronym for their group was. Um, thinks that the uh, the delusions are spawned from them because because he was told that she had ties to that group. Um, so I'm th I'm thinking that if if the if the film wasn't trying to make some kind of commentary on uh, the state of terrorism today, then maybe it was because um, they they needed a source for what the what could cause the delusions. Yeah, because I saw I thought that the like because uh, I was wondering if it was just to establish the times, but you were saying they brought it up they constantly. It so way I was, I was too much. Yeah, because I was wondering, is there must be some sort of like greater importance to this that yeah. I'm just not getting because I don't have that historical context or I don't know about this event. But from what you're saying, it doesn't sound. I like don't. That's the case. I don't know a heap about it, but I know that was. I mean, it was very important at the time. Yep. Like, and so, oh, sorry, no, keep going. Oh no, no, you go. Well, I'm just gonna say the um first scene in the film, what you're saying, it's kind of like the essentially a, a take on the cold open of the first film because the character still has yeah. the same name. The, the girl that runs away from the, the, the school at the first film and yeah. then gets killed in the cold open of the first Suspiria, uh, Patricia Hingle's the name of the character. Yeah. Uh, that's the sa same character in this that goes to the psychologist. Mm. And uh, this time in the movie, she's played by Chloe, Chloe Grace Moritz, who I th kind of threw me off because I was like, I remember seeing her name all over the thing, but I knew it was Dakota Johnson was the lead, but I thought I was going to see a lot more of Chloe Grace Moritz. Especially know, since I, you... It seemed like you just wanted important names to sell the film because uh i'll probably just bring it up now i don't i don't think tilda swinton could speak german even though we just found out that she was pl she played the german doctor the psychologist yes her lines must w have been dubbed I, we were shocked by that we we literally only just found that out before we started recording and her lines her lines must be dubbed because because the, the, you can't actually see her speak german the only time she's speaking German is through telepathic conversation between uh, the other witches. Mm. And whenever or she's speaking German, the camera isn't on her. It either. isn't on her. Like there's a there's a scene where she's addressing the audience, like an, the audience of a show, but the camera angle's like behind her, so you can't see her head, her face. I know that this director likes to work with um, Tilda Swinton, but I think all but one of his films. I think all except maybe Call Me by Your Name. Yeah. But that's that's some pretty, pretty noticeable technical limitations that they had there. Or at least I don't think he was brave enough to have someone dub the German lines over Til Tilda, because you'd know that they would. I don't know that wouldn't look very good. Or I guess he didn't want the film to be too close to the original with its terrible dubbing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's part of the film I kind of found consistent how they just switch between German and English like. Mm. Seemingly at random, so I'm like... I wouldn't say it's at random. Like, the, the Germans would speak German to the Germans, but they would speak English to the English speakers, even though they may know some German, they just know that, that it's easier to speak English with them. Yeah, mm. it's like... So, yeah, that... Pick one. That... No, I kind of like that they had that, because it made sense. Because they, they all seemed like international dancers. Like, they had that mm. girl from, from America. So I'm assuming a lot of them would have just... Like it's a prestigious school, have a lot of international um, dancers, so they probably just speak English to to all of them because they probably mostly speak English. They probably, they, as you see, when they're among themselves, they speak German to themselves because they don't need to speak English. Yeah, just on that, another little um, with the speaking of German and other languages in this film, uh, it's a subtle little thing, but I thought oh it yeah. really, it was really, really good. Um, 
the whenever the subtitle whenever they're speaking in German, the subtitles are red, and whenever they're speaking in French, the subtitles are blue. Mm. I thought that was a, just a very nice little subtle thing to help, like just to distinguish between what languages were being spoken. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. There's not a lot of um, French that's spoken in the film anyway. Because then they say, like, w- if you're a lead dancer, like yeah. Tilda Swinton says, if you're a lead dancer, you have to learn French. Yeah, if you yeah she said something. If you want to take dance seriously, you got to learn French. Well, you m- we mentioned Tilda Swinton before, and I think she is the best part of this film. Oh, definitely. By far. Especially if she played, like, well... Yeah, as we found out, she played three characters, yeah. all very, very different. One of them, which is kind of a spoiler, and... When you see her, when you see this character in the film, it looks like a um, something that Luca found in Guillermo del Toro's garbage. Like it, it looks like a scrap design yeah, from it, like a Hellboy movie or from like it, it Pan's just, Labyrinth it just, it or something. It just looks it's like, in my mind, I'm either thinking <laughs> the 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 witch in the basement from Evil Dead Two or a female bodysuit for Dan Aykroyd's um, <laughs> Nothing But Trouble. <laughs> like the female. You, you've seen that movie too many times. We're gonna twice. have to do that on film. Fi- that that's ep- that should be episode three of Film Fiasco. Oh, yeah. He's seen it more than twice. He said he he said on the last episode he's seen it like four times. I and he's seen, that must have been something else. You've been watching it in secret. <laughs> yeah, but what? <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure film. Anyway, yeah, li- listen listen soon for uh, both the Book of Henry and Nothing But Trouble on the Film Fiasco section of another bloody movie podcast. What I found especially, especially with the Madame Blanc character with Tilda Swinton is that she was able to come across with this sort of sensitivity and like kindness but also being incredibly menacing at the same time. I guess so. I don't, she seemed to be more empathetic than the other um, dance teachers just because she seemed to have a genuine passion for dance. The others didn't seem to care. Like they, they seemed to behave in a manner where it was like, yeah, we're putting up the front here. <laughs> I also found kind of it, deal. I also found it strange that the, the this version of the film, like the original film, it's almost all from the perspective of it, it's almost like a restricted narrative. Like uh, yeah, for the majority, Su- Susie is your eyes and ears throughout the entire film, but and also like she's slowly like you you learn things as she does. Mm. But here, like and and like the revelation that they're witches in the original film is like. You know, a big yeah. third act revealed. Like, oh yeah. my god, it's supernatural. Oh, this they kind of just they, they get it out yeah. there straight away. It's like, yep, they're witches, they're magic. Which I don't know. It does kind of take away the mystery of it, but I think also like it's a little bit frustrating as well when you have the main character that doesn't. Like, I kind of hate that in movies where the where you know everything, but your main character's in the dark about it. Some films a, can do it well. Cliche, yeah. Some films can do it really well, but I don't think this one did it really. It's just that like this this film. I wouldn't see it as a horror film. Like, well, this, it's really weird because, like, because I start to think of Heredity. I can tell that the director of Heredity and Luca Guadagnino, they can't make fucking horror movies because yeah. this isn't a, this isn't a frightening. This is not it's not frightening in the slit in the light in in in, the, in just in any respect. And I think I think Guadagnino actually realized this. And I don't know if this is originally in the script, but he probably just thought. We might as well get the witches out of the way because I'm not. I don't yeah. have to waste time trying to like cover that up and keep that a mystery. So I think where he did try to make things frightening is uh, um, when he tried to simulate the sort of stalking. Uh, whenever someone get killed in Suspirias, as if they were being, uh, as if they were prey and they were being uh, yeah. pursued by some form of predator, 
um, if, if that be like a supernatural being or just like the witches doing their strange magic. <coughs> so, so it's either that or strange dream sequence or ultra strange ritual sequence near the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that where he, that's where he's just like, yep, remember, this is this has got elements of horror yeah. to it. No, no, no spoilers, but that, that scene that Eric is talking about gets very, very silly. Yeah, I mean... Very. It's strange because I think the the for the most part the editing in this film is quite quite great. Mm. Um, for a movie that's two and a half hours long, it feels like it's ver- fairly even and like has good rhythm well, to it. Yeah, it's good. Well, I mean the rhythm changes appropriately. Mm. Um, it doesn't really feel janky at all. Uh, it seems to be very consistent with its cutting on sound and cutting to different angles like th- that seem appropriate. And some people might find it strange, like oh, you don't need all these angles in there, but. Um, there are parts where, like at the beginning of the film, where uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's character is sort of she's panicky, and, and you can sort of mm. see with the editing that she's that she's feeling sort of shaky, um, mm. and, and, and that that's, that translates well in the in the different cuts from this, you know, all these strange angles Definitely. and stuff. So you can sort of see that anxiety just in the editing. So that's that's nice to see, and the and of course you know that's not how the film's completely edited. Um, when thi- when the when the pacing's more calm, it's just edited more in a more normal, natural sort of sense. But then, when it comes to the strange sequences of montage and using f- slow down frame rates, that's when things get a bit yeah, stupid. Yeah, using like dropped frames and then just weird stuff that has. It was just like, hey, we shot all this cool stuff that didn't make well, the movie. Like, Let's was, just do a dream sequence like, where we can put it all in. Like this is like it's like it's like Guadagnino was thinking, okay, I got I got to put something scary in here. Um, We'll just do a dream sequence. Uh, we'll just throw it in there real quickly. We'll just take a bunch of shots of some st- weird shit. Yeah. It's just like Random it's just object. like the guy who made Hereditary was like, oh well, horror movies have jump scares. We're gonna throw jump scares in there. Mm. I don't know what they're doing. Well, I didn't think Hereditary really had jump scares. It just had oh, like it, had cli- jumps, it just had, it had cliche it, like horror it cliches. Had the, it had it had jump scares, but they were like they weren't. They were sort of the half jump scares. So it's like you know the type of stuff like. Uh, what's that kid who turned to the corner of the room? It's dark, and he thinks he sees his sister standing. Yeah, there, and then the, you know, her head falls off, and it's just a basketball. Like that's a jump scare. Yeah, that's in a sense, but it's like a semi jump scare. And that film was mo- like Heredium was mostly littered with a bunch of those. Mm. Oh yeah. By the way, film Twitter, we did not like Hereditary that much. I think the movie is fine. It's just not the work of art you all think it is, and I'm sorry. It's just Oof. not. Get over yourself. People have other opinions. Welcome to the. Well, internet. I don't think it's very good at all. I think Suspiria is much more superior. Suspiria is a better film. Much more superior. Bo- both versions su- of Suspiria are better. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> but I think a, a bit of a problem here with me, and someone who I actually think is a good actress, but I don't think she can, she does well in carrying this film at all, is Dakota Johnson. And I think the film is almost trying to actively get away from her character as well yeah. by trying to focus. I on don't even think it's her performance. I think it's just. The writing, the character's not interesting. I think it's the way the character's written because there's nothing on the character. It's barely no. any development. It's a blank slate. John's she's a blank slate, and she doesn't stray too far from. If anything, she's like a weaker version of the character from the original, like the protagonist from the original film, because mm. she's got the naivety, but she doesn't have any like inquisitiveness. Yeah, she's not like she's practically naive. She just goes film. along yeah, with she's everything. Submissive. Yeah, you, you, th- th- that's th- what she's told. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, so that was a. 
that was a bit annoying to have the protagonist to be very uninteresting and everyone around it to be much more interesting, have more screen time for, mm. for the most part. I will say, like, props to Cody Johnson, who I, I think is, like, serviceable. I don't think she's go- particularly good in the movie, but I like I commend her for, you know, the training that she had to do to actually... Well, the, her, like, dancing her dancing was great. really good. Because, yeah, she... She practiced ballet for two years to prepare for this role, and in that aspect, she is fantastic in this film. Yeah, it's just that, I mean, she wasn't I really mean, given dance much. Dance sequence with is character. really cool. I mean, I think she was like great in that. I think Dakota Johnson's just a victim of terrible screen of like not not that this same movie is badly written. It's just it's not a very well written she, character. She probably just gets terrible characters. Terrible. Maybe roles she just has play. a really shit agent. Yeah, probably. I mean. She's still desperately trying to claw her way out of that Fifty Shades, like, debacle. Like, she doesn't want to be remembered as the girl from Fifty Shades of Grey. She does not want to be remembered for that. Well, I don't... Unfortunately, I don't think she's going to be remembered for this either. Because I don't think people are going to remember her performance that much. They'll probably remember other aspects they'll remember like the, the crazy film. editing. They'll remember the film. They'll remember some of the strange sequences. They'll remember Tilda Swinton. Mm. But I don't know about her... Yeah, and just on this, like, because we were mentioning how this film looks and how it's shot and, like, how it doesn't have the very distinct colour palette of that first film. But I did like the use of, like, the, like, Jalo like, 70s motifs of, like, some of the camera movements, especially, like, oh, the, yeah. the quick pans and zooms. Yeah. Like, all that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I like how it had a bit of that. And I like how the it, it didn't have... It didn't sort of take that into its sort of uh, film language and have it sort of be consistent. Like they, like they, um, because I was afraid that when I when I saw that zoom when uh, Dakota Johnson enters the 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 academy, I was like, oh, I hope I'm not going to be seeing a heap of these where it's going to be too similar to the original film, and and it, but then again, it's at the same time it's going to have uh, sort of what Guadagnino would usually do with his with his film language, which would be which I wouldn't think would be a good mix. Is all I'm saying, but that didn't happen, luckily. So I'm glad that it didn't happen. And also, this film was shot a lot differently compared to shot a lot differently ed- and edited a lot differently to mm. um, Call Me by Your Name, which I guess isn't really much of a surprise, but a lot was a lot more radical than what I imagined. Mm. And for the benefit of the film, of course. Props to this film for also shooting on 35 millimeter film as well. Yeah. It, it, uh, uh, even though it doesn't have the very distinct color palette, I still think it looks really good. Like the nice faded film look does actually make it feel like it's a product of the well, 70s too. Well, makes it feel too. a bit more gritty and grounded, yeah. as well as a naturalistic sort of lighting. In a sense, I guess it gives the film a stronger, more serious tone than what the original would have with this sort of strangely coloured um, lighting. Mm. It's, just, it's more pop candy sort of uh, aesthetic to it, where um, like that's sort of more visually pleasing, although it's... I don't know. I don't know if people back then would have took it super seriously, but someone now, if they were to watch it, they'd be like, this looks a bit too silly to take, to sort of care and respect. Like, I can't really, you know, care about these characters dying because everything looks so bizarre. It's like a weird dream. Um, although, in its own way, it's f- it's fun that the film looks like that, the original. It's very interesting. You don't really see many films that have a sort of strange style. Sort of reminds you of Japanese Haozu. Yeah, that, yeah. That film's got a very weird visual style to it the music oh see boy. eric is not a fan of the music in this film but eric does uh, eric is a fan of radiohead he's a I fan like of Johnny Greenwood. he likes tom york i like tom york i like greenwood but i don't like tom york's 
scoring on this film. I, I thought it was really kind of terrible. I don't think it works. It didn't work at all. I don't know what was going. I don't know why they got York to score. I, they must have thought that York was going to score the film, similar to how Greenwood would. But York is the vocalist, and Greenwood. But more York has written songs for it. Though. Yeah, yeah. But he's more like, he's more a vocalist. You can tell because all, all these tracks, a lot of his tracks had vocals behind him. I think. Greenwood's more the 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 music technician, so he's more yeah. the technical nitty gritty. How the working he, with the instruments and stuff. That's why his scoring is like fantastic. His score for you were never really here is still the best score of anything this year. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever done a bad, ever done a bad scoring. Like he was robbed. Stuff. He was robbed of the Oscar last year for Phantom Thread. Oh, I mean. He should have won for There Will Be Blood. His scoring on The Master was brilliant as well. So, yeah, all, all the work that he's done with PTA is fantastic. I mean, I think these songs in isolation would be good. In isolation, that would be good. That would be good. But they just don't work with the film. That's why it's a bit strange, because they all made for the film. Yeah. That's why it's really weird. Like, especially with the sequence at the end, that song really doesn't fit. And even like one of the first songs at the start is a bit strange, like um, I don't know, uh, like uh, it was nice to hear York's voice because like oh this is cool, you know Tom York's gonna he's gonna score the he film. He has a great voice too. Although this this track that he made at the beginning, it doesn't it doesn't seem to fit too well with what's happening with this protest. Um, it's a bit. It's a bit weird because you would have people that would talk about how the Radiohead's music so great that you can just grab their tracks and you can just play it over films and it'd be better than making music for the film because the the songs just fit so well to what's happening in the scene. It, it's just weird for, for for York's songs to have their opposite effect on these. Yeah. On, on this film and. This is still good music. It's just, as you said, it would. It just doesn't work. It doesn't fit with the film. It'll probably be better listening without the footage of the film accompanied uh, with it. I will give definite props to this film as well, which um, for um, something that I guess this will probably get in, like attention for awards-wise, um, costume design and hair and, and makeup. Oh yeah, definitely. well it's gonna definitely costumes are amazing. Yeah, well, the costumes are great. Yeah, some but of the costumes are pretty mad. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty good. That that thing because it was like the only promote like because I tried to sk- uh, avoid all promotional material for this, but I saw that image where it's there in that in those like that thin like red tassel garb yeah. that they do that that they do the dance well, that whole in. Sequence was really cool. That I was thought. really good. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like it's Very almost well like in competition done. with the dance, the uh, dancing and the calligraphy and uh, all that from that sequence from the beginning of uh, climax. Oh, Although yeah. I kind of yeah. like would have been better if it was one big long shot. <laughs> oh well, I think it, w- it worked. I mean, it would it look really nice if it was one long shot, but I think it works better the way that they 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 edited it in the film because the 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 movements were very aggressive, uh, and it was a good way to sort of cut to showing how, of course, from the top it looks like a weird satanic. I don't know what shape it was supposed to be. Some advanced pentagram. I think that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah, it was like a dodecker pentagram yeah. or something like that. Anything else you guys want to add about this? Uh, yeah. Come on, you, you've been relatively quiet. What, what do you want to say? You liked uh, the makeup, didn't you? Hmm? The makeup. Uh, yeah. makeup was 
Well, considering Fine, we'll none of us knew that was Tilda Swinton yeah, we'll until doing some research. Yeah, I was like, that, how, that's incredible. <laughs> that is honestly incredible. And I, but why would they do that? <laughs> I don't mm, know. Why? Oh god! Oh god! Can't they god. afford more actors? Hey, if oh you god! Think if, about it, if, if you if think if about <laughs> it, you they the director could have just had Tilda Swinton playing the old man and could have got a German Tilda actress could have been every to, to play Tilda Swinton as the dance teacher. But you're right. Tilda Swinton could have played every character. Can't wait. Would have been oh, it's like, what a t- like a Tilda better. Swinton multiplicity. I love it. Yeah, practically. <laughs> just have all these Tilda Swintons just speaking to each other in the one room. You know, I, I'd watch that. I'd watch it. It'd be like Tilda Swinton speaking John Malkovich or something. <laughs> there was the weird um, uh, dance magic. Oh, yeah. The yeah. dance magic. Um, that yeah. was bizarre. Dancing. Strap yourselves in for that because that scene, it's great. That scene is Pretty fantastic. It's edited it's well. Brutal. It's brutal and it's awesome. Vigorous dancing. It's edited well, but I don't know. The it's, it's strange. You, you, you might say it's so good you'll pee a little. <laughs> much of the dancing was very um, carnal and brutal, I found. Yeah, it's, it's sort of... Very uh, brutalistic. Like That's not a word. <laughs> it is now. How um, Coined by Cohen. <laughs> I coined it, yell me. He um, coined it. To look at the raw power that um, the yeah, main character put into her dancing, as he said, she yeah, trained for two years. Very yeah, it's a very carnal. I, f- I forgot what they they call that type of dance. And it um, like progressive fit dance in with what was happening with the character with the um the, the mental the, 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 the mental very changes. um semi-sexual feelings she was having. Yeah, true. The they, they, they 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 did have which some was kind of motif. Strongly though. implied the the primal um feelings, especially when mm. um just talking about Stain's like asked having. How she feels when the, she dances. In the womb. Yeah, that and it's <laughs> like, oh, like having sex with an animal. It's like, yeah, okay. I would say that this is almost a great movie. It's so close to being it, but there's just a lot of. But we can't get into why because that would be going into spoiler territory. Yeah. And this film doesn't come out for potential. It does have the potential to be a lot better. I would agree with but that. But there's a lot of just really silly things. It's that just, just. It's more so if it didn't try to be so much a horror film maybe if it was like a horror film in the sense like did you ever watch let the right one in no no i, I don't even think i don't even say there's a horror film but people do because vampires because vampires yeah but um that film is that that film uh, works very well just as a drama and if this is like a drama with a supernatural edge it'd work it could work brilliantly to to bring that back to link that to suspiria how is the remake the american remake starring chloe grace moritz Oh, I've never seen it. I've heard it's I not d- very good. Uh, well, I can't see it being better than the original. The original I didn't think was that... Uh, I mean, th- there are parts that I don't like. Um, there's there's a terrible part, uh, just from memory, where a lady gets attacked by a bunch of cats. Oh, and they're okay. like CG cats. It was really bizarre. Doesn't, but, uh, the the most ki- part does, doesn't like good. the bullies get the decapitated in a swimming pool or something yeah, like that? Do. Oh, interesting thing about that scene. It's like a weird homage to this Swedish film, Children's Island. Wait, was it Children's Island? Oh, I can't remember. Why are you asking us? We wouldn't know. <laughs> I think it was Children's Island. Anyway, that was a pretty good film. I like that they homaged that in a very strange manner. Where um, Both instances, that was, that was both of the climax points when that, that, that sequence happened with the, at the pool. 
But just bringing up to what, what what Cohen said when he was bringing up the makeup, and when we were talking about um, you know the the makeup that uh, Tilda Swinton had in this film, um, and you were saying like well, they didn't have enough actors. If fucking men's rights activists get up in arms and find out that Tilda Swinton played a man, and why, like they why, get pissed why off, they care. I don't know. They, they people get angry over stupid shit, and that's something yeah. that like those red pill motherfuckers like, would get angry about. It seems like most people would just get pissed off. It's like it's like over anything. It's like fucking Republicans angry that in First Man they don't show the the American flag which they do they just don't show oh, them planting it into the fucking movie Why? they shouldn't care about that they have to have their patriotism their stupid fucking films I mean but that's that's the stupid thing about First Man well, to derail from Suspiria I, I, I'm pretty sure the Americans know that they're just being fucking F- forced First Man slop. First Man is one of the most patriotic movies I've seen of all year though but okay. they wouldn't notice that because fucking one idiot said oh they don't show them putting the flag into well, the moon who Even cares? though there he, is can, he can say well, that, just ignore him. There's just about seven him. separate shots of the moon. It's of valid the criticism. That's just pretty stupid. Iconic part of part of the moon race. But you see, yeah, but the flag. film wasn't you really the about trying to re like. It, it was about the about, journey. It's not more about the, the a character study on Neil Armstrong. Sort of like cap it off with the flag going in. But you see this beautiful. It's not. It's not. Needed. You see this beautiful wide shot of the moon anyway, with the capsule and the American flag in there anyway. I haven't seen First Man, but what I've been Me told either. and what, good. It's good. what I expected was it was a film that focused on um, what's it Neil Armstrong instead of you know jerking off America. But yeah, you know, I mean, people look. You saying that people would complain about Tilda Swinton playing a man? I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that they would. I'm just, just saying I would like not be surprised of, if that happens. Just be like a bunch of hardcore left wingers complaining that there aren't enough like immigrants, oh, not immigrants, but like multinational um, uh, actors or or I don't know women in a, in, in in a certain film. Well, you should only cast people based on their on how well they play the performance. Well, on that note, now that I think, apart from the two police officers, then I don't think I think it's in a completely all female cast. Then, yeah, well, all the apart- important characters were, were women practically. Mm. Those those two those two detectives weren't police really officers or police officers weren't really important. Yeah, they just get they got put, into, got, put into a trance by witches yeah, they and just got brainwashed and they threatened they. Look, okay, I don't think that's a spoiler, but like, the, I, I thought this movie was getting into su- getting into some serious dick trauma, and I wasn't re- and I wasn't ready for that. But thank goodness they didn't go there. Well, did you think he was going to get his genitals removed or something? Well, they were. That's what they were fucking. Oh, they, uh, were well, they were just They were just playing around with the dude because they they just brainwashed him. They're just weird. Horny just, dance yeah, witches. they were just a bunch of old women having some fun, sure. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, kind of women have fun. That's not always that they get they they get some police officers coming to the uh, the dance school. I mean, you just season an op- season an opportunity there. They're taking their one shot. Just okay. Fuck fuck that. Yeah, I don't know where that was going. I, I was trying to get into Eminem so we could get to talk about Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, um, Venom is the best comedy of 2018. Venom has a has probably the best chase sequence I've seen any. No, Venom. <laughs> it's it's shot so weirdly. If you want to see if you want to see Tom Hardy eat a bunch of frozen <laughs> potato gems, eat chicken out of a bin, and jump into a fish tank with a bunch of live lobsters, and then bite one yeah, of their heads off, heads <laughs> in what is one of the funniest scenes I have seen all year, go watch Venom. 
Venom's fantastic. <laughs> it's I mean, I, I love how it's they, trash, but it's great. I love how the film self senses itself with the with Venom like biting a person's head off. You can't even see it that quick. And there's oh, there's that bit and where what his, about the super hot Venom makeout session? Yeah, his, his ex girlfriend like wears the Venom or has the Venom. Uh, what is it? Symbiote. Symbiote inside her, and then she like kisses him. To, to transfer it, and then she's like, ah, oh, that was Venom's idea. So bizarre. Coming soon to film fias- to a film fiasco episode near you, Venom. Mm. We, we gotta do it. We gotta we'll do, do Venom. We'll do it eventually, but, you know, it's Book of Henry, then after Book of Henry. Let's, we, 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 do we, we have to do nothing but trouble? Dying of the Light. Dying of the Light. Wait, do- I thought it was Dog Eat Dog that we had to do. Oh, God. Choose. <laughs> I've seen Dog Eat Dog. Let's do Dying of the Light, because I haven't seen that. Right. And also, listeners out there, if you have any suggestions for us to, you know, any suggestions for film fiasco, uh, not Suspiria, because this movie is actually decent. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, send your... I mean, I think it's I think it's better than Hereditary. I don't know what that would mean to most people. Um, I haven't really seen many horror... Oh, well, I've seen a few. But I think this one, uh, I think Suspiria's... It's interesting. It, it, it excels in some parts that I didn't ex- expect it to excel in. Although it was odd in its own way, just like the original was strange in mm. its own way. So it's an interesting film. Mm. It's it's a bit long though. I think I don't some think so. I think I think there are some scenes too long. I think there are some scenes that could be completely th- cut look, out. I think that the film could be cut to ninety minutes. It could be, but it'd be a completely nah. different film. It'd practically be more of a remake of the original. I, I think. Um, I, I, that would be it cutting most of the side stuff out with the with the, with the psychologist. But I didn't mind stuff. a lot of the side stuff. Yet again, though. yeah, you're it, g- right. it gave it an interesting dimension to it in a different perspective, which I it, enjoyed. It did flesh out the outside world of, of the film, mm. so I did like that. That sort of brought that to the table. Although I think we could both agree that the the pacing was fine. Uh, oh, the pacing the was film. great. I actually think this is one of the best edited movies of the I year. Ju- I, I just, I just say it's a bit long because I swear some people in the audience are getting bored. Like I, I could just, like there was this guy like next to me that was just kept like checking, I don't know moving I around, think he was checking, checking his phone, checking his phone too. Yeah. So um, if if you can't handle a film with a runtime like that, and and if you're expecting a horror film with a lot of scares in it, a lot of then horror, you might be a bit disappointed. Yeah, with a lot of right. ho- horror in the traditional sense. All right, just get a good old fashioned. Slash of horror. I will well, say you can watch Halloween if you want one of those. Yeah, that's out like now too. One. There is a, that is a, a modern there one. There is one like right now. There's a new Halloween film out in cinemas. Well, right do you now want a new I- slasher yeah, IP? Yeah, like a new IP. Come on, be original instead of what? Like some. What more can you do? What do you want? Like what? Mo- it's literally all the same shit, Cohen. Yeah, well, it's a guy in a mask that has a knife and he goes around and kills. Sean, you don't understand. Cohen wants. He wants some new people to be re- represented. We can have like a slasher that's a skateboarder and kills people with his skateboard. We don't or have a. Um, we can um, have a surfer slasher that's, you know, kills people on oh, Bondi Beach. Hey. Me, me, I like love that idea. He kills people at Bondi Beach and he has kills some backpackers. No, it's it's it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's Wolf Creek, but at Bondi Beach, it's Wolf Creek. At he's Bondi just killing Beach. backpackers, and he's got his weapon of choice would probably be some weapon that he made out of shark teeth or something. Instead of changing other elements, you just it's the same film, but you substitute the villain. Right. Just do that as an experiment. We'll have, this um, time, the villain's going to be a preschooler. Did, did you, you just, saw that coming? Did you just say film? Film, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I actually think Suspiria, this film, is not better 
than the original, but also not worse. Like, both films have their strengths and they definitely have things that definitely kind of weigh the film down or just... It's weird because there are some aspects of this film that I think are much stronger than the original. Absolutely. Like, especially in some degrees of narrative. Mm. Although, I just... Some of the parts that drag it down are, like, much worse than some of the things that drag down the original film. And I think the thing that's, that sort of helps the original film is how simple it was. This film, mm. this the new film was much more ambitious. <laughs> and that sort of puts it in that sort of line of target of, of heavy criticism. Yeah, I found it a bit slightly convoluted or like a bit yeah, unrealistic a bit with the um, Doctor, how he's like, oh, he, he really pushes like the um, mm. investigation of the Coven. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's a bit confusing how some people receive information as well. Like you, you were trying to figure out how the roommate, f- like you thought that she just stumbled upon the door, and I was thinking like, well, because she was caring, she probably got the information from. Yeah, she got the uh, notebook. Yeah, from the notebook. But didn't yeah, the therapist gave it to I, her? I, no, but he. I don't think he did. She gave it back to him. And said yeah, she didn't want it. Yeah, that's right. So she does that mean that she read it quickly? She just went out of the room, looked at the wall, and then started yeah. counting. I'm like and especially when we get towards the end, when the crazy occultish, like ritualistic stuff begins to happen, uh, that's when things get really confusing. Mm. No, definitely, especially with the protagonist. I mean, like we knew what was, we knew where that was going. We just didn't expect that to happen, but whatever. <laughs> Overall, I would recommend this film to both people who have not seen the original and people that have. I think that especially really big fa- fans of the original will actually really, really love this film. Mm. And I think probably not more general audiences are probably going to be very perplexed by this film. Yeah, and they're, like, they're probably not going to be like heads. it this much. But I think, I think people like Cohen, because Cohen, you enjoyed this film though, didn't you? Overall. Yeah, it seemed all right. It seemed all right. <laughs> yeah, well... Oh, okay. Cohen needs a bit more time to process. Yeah, I guess Simon I guess this probably isn't the greatest like time to do it like straight afterwards because yeah. I think this is a film that like needs needs a bit of marinate time, needs a little bit of thought, and possibly multiple viewings are probably required to. It's not the best. Time yeah, to if you really want to at, at one a.m. in the yeah. morning after an exam. Yeah, fair enough <laughs> for you at least. So, does is there anything else anyone wants to say about the film? No, but I just just quickly because um, Eric and I will not be doing a th- a promise. We promised a third part to our myth wrap up, but we have just left that too late, and it's just too late to talk about that. We're not going to be doing that anymore. No. But something I was going to mention in that, I just want to quickly say here. Um, and you mentioned it when you brought up the guy checking his phone. Which, look, fair enough if it's on low brightness and like you're just doing it to check the time, and putting it back. I have no problem with that. Mm. But yeah, people actually leaving their phones on and not turning them to silent. Or oh, turning did you them hear off. a phone going off during the when screening? We saw, when we saw Everybody Knows at MIF, oh, three yeah. fucking phones went off during that screening. I could not Sean, believe you, it. you probably wouldn't have been, been able to handle Ash's purest light because people were just popping their phones out all the time oh, to check yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> boring. But, but here's... <laughs> was it Cullen? Are you saying it was Cullen? No, no, no. No, but that that film's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's a slow it's a slow film. But um, just on and that and a long though, film. But just on that, every every mm-hmm. single myth film had the short film where it had the angel at the, where it had Saint Peter or the guy standing in for Saint Peter yeah, at the pearly I gates don't know. telling people to turn off I, your bloody well, I phone. I think they, they practically would have ignored that ad the second time they saw it, and I don't think the message would have came through because uh. they would have been like. 
yeah, I'm just going to not listen to Sky. If anything, I'm just going to be behaving in spite yeah, don't because this, I'm just been seeing this ad way too many times yeah don't don't listen to the guy in the wife beating gold chain well i'm just saying like it's not the best th- way to go about something just to hammer it in people's heads like you can show the ad a couple of times maybe i don't know now you have to show maybe it before show, every film maybe that, show that was the thing of the competition because it was a competition to make a film under a minute long yeah. and it would play before every film at miff yeah See, like, if they show different ads every time, maybe that'd be better. But the same ad, it's just... Oh. Certain theatres had... I don't know if you noticed, but thea- like the theatres had their own ad package that they'd put p- before every film. So oh, it would be yeah, different yeah, with each theatre right theater you that. went to. Yeah. Well, we might be watching some other films ne- next mm. month because there's going to be a lot of film festivals on. Is there? Well, there's uh, what's yeah. there, the English one and there's English, the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Tina here at film festival, there's the Jewish film festival. Yeah, there's oh, just around um, Melbourne and around Australia. There's the Jewish International Film Festival. There's the British Film Festival and Cinema Latino Film Festival at Palais Cinema. Yeah. Cinema Latino, they have Roma, guys. They also we'll have get Birds to see of Paradise Ro- as well. We're gonna get to see Roma on a big screen. Fuck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's hope it's gonna be as good as most people have been saying it is. Well, I mean, I'm really interested to see because it looks like Cron's going back to old ro- roots. Mm. Uh, according to um, uh, uh, IndieWire critic David Ehrlich, apparently he has brought Fellini back from the dead with this film. So Okay, that's, in, that's an interesting... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, that's, a, that's an interesting statement to make. We'll, we'll, have to s- we'll just see how uh, honest he is on his word. Thank you very much for everyone for listening. That'll wrap this episode up for tonight because we all got to go. To, we all got to go to bed. It's one, it is currently one oh eight a.m. This, this is too late to be doing I this. I really hope a train's going to be coming soon. It should. Surprisingly, we haven't heard any trains. I think this might be the first episode that we've had where there hasn't oh, we haven't been interrupted by a train had, in the background. We've had some trains. I guess they haven't been as noisy as they usually are. Yeah. Thank you to Eric and Colin for coming back on the show. That's mm. right. No, no worries. problem. And thank you guys for listening in to this very impromptu and very out-of-nowhere episode, very spontaneous episode of Another Bloody Movie Podcast. Suspiria is released nationwide across Australia on November the 8th. I will be releasing this episode on November the 7th, so please go check this movie out. It is unlike anything you will see in a cinema this year, especially in a wide-release film. This is easily one of the best wide-release films you will see in 2018. And it is probably one of the best remakes of all time. It does what a good remake does. It captures the spirit of the original film whilst doing enough different to establish itself and give it its own identity. And that's why I think you should really go and check out this film. It has its flaws, as I mentioned in the episode, but just go out and see this film. It's weird. It's crazy. It's a lot of fun in parts, and it is just really, really well done. And if you like this episode, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes and or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can like us on Facebook at Another Bloody Movie Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at AB Movie Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. And you can follow all of my personal social media accounts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at SeanHub underscore. That is S-E-A-N-H-U-B underscore. You can follow me on Letterboxd, which is letterboxd.com forward slash Sean Coates. You can follow me on the Stardust app, which you can download for free off the App Store or Google Play. I am at Sean Coates there too. You can read my written reviews at Movie 
moviebabblereviews.com. Movie Babble are currently covering the Denver Film Festival at the moment. There's on all of the staff are covering a whole bunch of really cool movies. And even though I've never stepped foot in the United States, let alone gone to Denver, I, through the magic of screeners, I have been able to watch a film and I'll have a review for the documentary Afghan Cycles by the end of this week on moviebabblereviews.com. So stay tuned for that. And also check out the reviews from all the other writers playing at the Denver Film Festival. A lot of great films playing there and a lot of really good reviews from the Movie Babble staff. So make sure you check those out. And thank you once again for listening. Uh, Stay tuned in the next couple of weeks or months for more episodes for wrap-ups of both the British Film Festival and the Cine Latino Film Festival, both hosted by Palace Cinemas. And of course, episode two of Film Fiasco on The Book of Henry. All that and more coming soon. But for now, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.